0: Hello again, and welcome back to this continued study on the power of prayer based on the book Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. In the first lessons in this study, we spent much of our time examining the foundations of prayer, the mechanics of prayer, and why we pray. We also spent time on the practical application of prayer, including healing prayer, prayer in spiritual warfare, and praying through adversity. Those cornerstone principles of prayer are based on our faith in God, our belief that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and that we are a chosen generation of God's people. With that foundation and with our understanding of the power of prayer, this session in parts two and three on the subject of our authority in the name of Jesus speaks directly about how prayer applies to us on a personal level, but also on a broader level as well, about our families, our friends, our communities, and even our culture. Along those lines, I'll give you a short story about how you can be a bold prayer warrior at any time and in any place. Kitty and I had gone to the grocery store the other day, and right there in the produce section, we encountered a friend of ours riding one of the electric shopping carts. He had a recurring foot problem and told us about it, and he couldn't walk very well, and I could tell it bothered him a great deal. After chatting for a few minutes about what was going on and how we were all getting along, I really felt a moving from the Holy Spirit to pray for him. So right there next to the cabbage, we took his hand and prayed for him for healing, not loud and not making a spectacle out of it, but very quietly. I frankly don't think anyone else really noticed what we were doing, and it was quite short. And I don't tell you this to show you how pious I am, and that's far from it. I tell you about this to let you know that as a prayer warrior, we should be ready to pray anytime, anywhere. Don't miss an opportunity when the Spirit leads you to pray for someone. And as this episode explains, we prayed for His healing in the name of Jesus. I'll report later when we see that the healing has manifested itself that short story speaks to our internal even soul-deep attitude about prayer and its effect on us and on others there is no one other than god who knows the depth of our heart like we do personally and intimately we know the condition of our heart just as god knows it personally And intimately, when we respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it opens our hearts and minds to the possibilities of the power of prayer and conditions our hearts and minds to have great expectations about our prayers. I mention our hearts and minds. You know, every organ of the body is essential for our health and even our survival. However, if we were to rank the importance of each organ, I think for most of us, the brain and the heart would be at the top of our ranking. I know other organs are important, and we can't live without them, but I think most of us just automatically put those two at the top. I believe the same is true of our spiritual makeup. The mind and the heart are at the top of the list of importance spiritually as well. The heart and mind are mentioned hundreds of times in Scripture. If we went through all the different passages of the Bible mentioning the heart and the mind, there would be so many different definitions for the heart and mind depending on how each word is used. In general, as I use the terms here, the heart refers to that part of a person that controls our desires, emotions, hopes, dreams, feelings, and other intangible parts of our being. The mind typically refers to the part of a person that controls the intellect, reason, and thoughts. As a Christian, at a very basic level, we know when our heart hurts. We feel our heart telling us when things are out of balance. In my ministry, I encounter so many people who are hurting in their heart. Their desires, emotions, hopes, dreams, or feelings have in some way been damaged or hurt. And we often hurt in our heart not only for ourselves— but for our families, our close friends, and even for our culture, and the degradation and corruption that seems to be all around us. It can be distressing to us. A portion of this study on our authority in the name of Jesus is about how to use prayer to help heal our heart. However, we will not only address our own personal needs, such as our own physical, emotional, and spiritual health, but also how to help others with their spiritual heart health and healing as well, just like the example of our friend at the grocery store and his sore foot. In a very real sense and within a broader scope, this is also about healing our land. Now hang on a minute, and I'll explain what I mean by that. In the well-known verse... In 2 Chronicles 7.14, God said this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, here's my explanation. Keep in mind that we are God's chosen people. We Christians have replaced the early Israelites as God's chosen people. While the above verse was originally intended for the ancient Jewish people and their governance of the land of Israel, it now applies to us as New Testament Christians here in the modern era. It is not unusual to hear that verse applied to the United States of America. There is indeed a great outcry and hope that America will turn from its morally downward path. Such a turn is desperately needed. So that is one common interpretation of the scripture that we often see. But speaking about us though, and better explaining the meaning of the second chronicle scripture, the apostle Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter was talking to the early Christian church the people who had become Christ followers. If we believe the Scripture, as stated in 1 Peter two nine that we Christians are God's chosen people, then 2 Chronicles 7.14 applies to us, the Church, those who are born-again believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, our land is not the United States of America or wherever you may live. Our land includes the citizens of the Christian population of the world the believers, including us. We exist as believers in our own physical and spiritual area of influence over which each of us has dominion. And for our use here, when I use the term dominion, I mean it to include those areas of our lives over which we have control and direct influence. There are certainly plenty of things in our lives over which we have no control, but there are so many things that we do control. We control our attitude, our thoughts, our habits, our finances, and what we spend money on and who our friends are. We control what we say and how we say it, our types of entertainment and what goes into our minds by what we read and what watch on television, and so many other things that we do control. All those things and more are the things that we can and should influence. That is our dominion. We can and should offer prayers for our nation. And for all who are in high positions, much as Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2a, it says this, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. Well, while we don't have kings here in the United States, we do have a president, we have members of Congress, we have judges, we have state officials, and community officials. So we have officials and all who are in high positions. However, in realizing that the verse in second Chronicles applies to us as God's chosen people, it is much more personal in scope than a broad prayer for our nation. It is a directive to Christians on what we should each be doing personally and collectively with other Christians. This process of preparing ourselves for exercising influence over our dominion is very much a part of the sanctification process each Christian is going through as we live and mature here on earth. In that process, each of us as Christians should be willing to humble ourselves before the Lord, pray faithfully, and seek God's face. By that, we seek God's will, as we covered in the episodes on the Heart of Prayer we should examine ourselves and, if found wanting, turn from our wicked ways, which we call sin, by confessing those sins and repenting. Those are hard words to hear, but those are clearly God's instructions for us. In obedience to Scripture, we work on ourselves first so that our influence on others will be in God's will. Our personal need for revitalization is, as I said, the sanctification process. It is a necessary part of our faithful growth and usefulness in the kingdom of God. As Christians, we have a duty to work on that scriptural health of ourselves so that we can then better influence our families, our friends, our communities, and all areas of our lives. Beyond ourselves, our culture, which we truly do influence in a very personal way, is very much in need of fervent, effective prayer right now. And germane to this study, we Christians have the power and authority to provide that fervent, effective prayer. Jesus said this concerning Satan's influence on the people of the world. He said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's covered in John 10, 10. We Christians have the power and the authority to live a life more abundant, just as promised in the Scriptures, not only for ourselves, but as an influence on our culture. As the salt and the light of the world, when we Christians are living an abundant life, Our families will be in a better position to prosper. Our area of influence will likely see prosperity, and our culture will be influenced to prosper as well. And remember once again what I said earlier about prosperity. It isn't necessarily financial. God's definition of prosperity is probably very different than our definition of it. Prosperity doesn't necessarily mean that we will be rich or that everything is going easy and well one meaning of prosperity, as I'm including it here, is that we are in the will of God. When we withdraw from the world, when Christians withdraw from the world, which is so tempting to do, and sit in our closed Christian enclaves, our dominion declines, as does our influence. Our culture will decline because of it. We Christians, Functioning as Christians in our homes, our workplaces, our communities, and and in our other areas of influence must resist the complacency and safety of withdrawing away from the people of the world. To be the salt and the light, we must be visible and present. In the prior sessions, we studied prayer in depth, and we know it can be effective. However, we need to focus that effective spiritual power of prayer to accomplish God's will in our lives, in the lives of our families, and in our culture in ways that are specific, personal, and needed. That is very much seeking God's face. Spiritual power comes from spiritual authority. We often fail to understand our spiritual authority through Christ and how we can use that authority to do extraordinary things to attain that desired abundant life through prayer. Those extraordinary things can and do have a great impact on us personally, on those we care about, and on our culture. These episodes on our authority in the name of Jesus may be thought of as the culmination or completion of the work we began in the earlier studies. Here, we will bring together all the teaching and scripture we've gone through and focus it to have a positive, effective impact on each of us personally through prayer. That is spiritual power. With that spiritual power, and beyond its personal effect, I encourage you to step out and be an effective, fervent prayer warrior for others. When motivated, to be an effective prayer warrior, I believe you will see your own life changed, the lives of your close family and associates changed, and the lives of those with whom you come into close contact changed. Ultimately, those changes will have a positive and effective impact on our culture and on our nation. It all comes about through the authority we have in the name of Jesus. We have authority in the name of Jesus to act as an agent for Christ in all parts of our lives. Being an agent is a legal term that basically means a person acts on behalf of another. Although the Bible does not use the term agent, when we act on behalf of Jesus, we are acting as an agent. We will see this covered later as we look at John 14:12. Scripture does indeed talk about our acting on behalf of Christ. We are to act on His behalf to do what He has asked us and instructed us to do. Scripture is our basis for all teaching, and Scripture not only tells us why we have the authority I'm referring to, but how to effectively use that authority. Not only do we use that authority to do things for Christ, to help others, but also to do things for ourselves, to achieve and maintain our personal health, our personal well-being, and our overall personal situation. That helps us to have an abundant life. For example, God wills to heal us, and He does truly have plans for our benefit and prosperity, just as the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11. And remember, prosperity may include, among many other things, being in the will of God, having more peace in our walk with the Lord, about improving our peace of mind, and of being more satisfied with our personal situation. It is also about how to live a life of rest and peace in the name of Jesus. It takes authoritative power to do that. We expand that outlook so that not only do we look at the effect of Christ-centered prayer in our own lives, but the effect it has on others within our area of influence, on our communities, and even on our culture. This is personal while at the same time it is global because of the effect we have as Christians. Think of the ripple effect of a pebble dropped into still water. It is ever-expanding. We can and should be making a difference not only in our own personal lives, but on those with whom we come into close personal contact. You may think you're insignificant to the global campaign of acting with spiritual power, but no person in the kingdom of God is too insignificant to not make a difference in some way. The starting place for making that difference is in our prayer life what we pray for and how we effectively pray as we have previously studied and as we pray and step out confidently in our prayers i fully believe that we have been given authority here on earth to do supernatural things especially as they deal with the spirit world paul said this in ephesians 6:12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Given such a warning, and from what we know of the Bible, a warning always comes with a solution, we begin to focus our efforts. That may seem like a long introduction to our subject, But understanding, embracing, and using our spiritual authority is a new concept to many people. Therefore, as we now get into the subject matter of spiritual authority, the first question to ask in exploring the authority of Christ in our lives may well be, do we really have authority to do miraculous or supernatural things? And if so, where did we get that authority? Well, what does the Bible say? If the Bible doesn't provide for it, we don't do it. This is said about Jesus in Matthew 10, 1, And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. In reading that verse, you may think it applies only to the twelve disciples, since that is the reference in that single verse— And while that is true, it is somewhat limiting when we look at the context of the verse and later verses. Let's look a bit deeper into other scripture to expand on that idea. Remember, scripture always interprets and completes other scripture. Scripture never contradicts itself. Jesus also said, as recorded in the book of John in chapter 14, verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's break that down and see what it really says. Jesus said, whoever believes in me. The believer Jesus is referring to is you. It's me. It's all Christians. It is those of us who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the universal church of those bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. And what will those people do? They will also do the works that I do. Not only did Jesus tell us we will do the works he does, but he said this, greater works than these will that person do. Jesus has given us the authority to not only do what he has done, but greater works than he has done. It seems incredible to say we will do more than Jesus has done, but the scripture is very clear. This is not an allegorical truth, but a real truth. As we examine the scriptures, looking for things that Jesus did, we find many acts of ministry, including just these few. First, Jesus was a counselor. He covered that in Luke 6 verses 20 through 23. He was a confidant by that. He listened to people on a very personal basis. That's covered in John 4 with Jesus and the woman of Samaria. He was a friend. Matter of fact, he was the apostle John's best friend, John eleven five. 5. He was an intercessor, meaning that he intervened on behalf of people, and that's covered in John 17 in that chapter. Jesus was a helper to those suffering and in need many stories about that. One of them is in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. He was an advocate for the poor, the weak, and the needy, and that's covered in Luke 4, 18. Jesus was obviously a teacher. I mean, we look at so many areas in which he was teaching, which is covered uh, so many times in scripture, and one of those is in Luke 4, verses 42 through 44. Jesus was a healer. How many times have we seen that? A couple of examples are in Matthew 9 and in John 4. He was a deliverance minister. He was getting rid of demons all of the time. Again, we have that in Luke 9 and Luke 13. He raised the dead. Um, On occasions, we see that, and Lazarus was just one of them, and we see that in Matthew 9 and John 11. He was a prayer warrior of infinite degrees there, and we see some examples of that in Luke 19. He was an humble servant, always humble, and had great humility in John 10, John 14. He was a prophet, and that's in Matthew 16 and John 4. He was a miracle worker, and we see so many miracles that Jesus was doing, and examples are in John 6 and John 2. Those works and many others were the works of Jesus. He did those works through the authority of his position. It's easy for us to understand the authority Jesus has. He is, after all, the Son of God. But when we ask what our authority is or what our authority covers, we need to understand that our authority is based on our position as well. We are believer and follower of Christ, and our authority is based on that position. Our positional authority is not limited to just demons and healing, as so many people may see it. Our positional authority is the authority to do all the things I listed above that were the works of Jesus and so much more. Let's look at Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 as Jesus spoke to the 11 remaining disciples after his resurrection. When we look at that verse in Matthew and the prior verse in John, we see that all authority was given to Jesus, and in turn, Jesus gave us all the authority that he had when he told the disciples to go and do the things of the Great Commission. That is a lot of authority. That is more authority than most of us ever thought about having. And as we continue to develop the idea of the authority we have, in Luke 9, Verses 1 and 2, and also in 6, this is said about Jesus. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Going further, in Luke ten one, the Bible says... After this, the Lord appointed seventy two others and sent them on ahead, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Finally, in this theme, we see in verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Those verses give us three levels of authority. First, the authority of Jesus himself to do miraculous and supernatural things. Then, there was the authority given to the apostles to step out and do those things as well. And then finally, there was the authority given to the rest of us, those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, to do those supernatural things. So, yes, great authority is found in the Bible for us to do the works of Jesus. There is clear scriptural proof that we believers, we Christians, do have great authority to do the works he has called us to do, even supernatural things. With the Great Commission, Jesus gave others, including us, his authority, and that authority is to be used in his name to do all the things that Jesus did it is important to realize that the authority we have is not just because we're christians but because we are christians acting in the name of jesus as his agents with the authority he directly gave us to do and act in his name we're not some kind of super saint out doing works and deeds on our own by our own authority we work within the authority of and in the name of jesus With this idea, we will end this first session on our authority in the name of Jesus. I've given you quite a bit to think about, especially in doing even more than Jesus did while he was here on earth. Yes, that does seem incredible, but if we believe in Scripture, and I do, and I think you do as well, then that is something for each of us to take and to hear. Next time, we will delve even deeper into this subject, and I believe we will Be in for some exciting times. Until then, my continuing prayer for you is that may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. (laughs)